Greetings, fellow travelers, vagrants, explorers, wildlanders, and welcome to episode 40 of the Retro Wildlands. My name is Nomad, and this is my gaming podcast where I like to share my thoughts and experiences with a video game that I have discovered or rediscovered while roaming the gaming wildlands. Thank you very much for tuning into the show today. If you've been with us before, I really appreciate you coming back and hanging out with us in the wildlands again. And if this happens to be your first episode, welcome, and I hope we make a good first impression and you can't help but want to stick around. It's great to have old and new friends alike as we get set to embark on another adventure into the gaming wildlands. Go ahead and grab your spots by the campfire, my friends, and settle in. On today's episode, I'm going to be counting down another one of my personal top 10 lists. I love top 10 lists, don't you? There's just something about counting something down, especially if it's someone's personal list. The anticipation as to what the next thing will be, the hope that the thing will align with your thing, or the surprise you get when something pops up that you least expected. We're going to have a good time today, so strap yourselves in. Now, if you're new to the show, I just wanted to point out that our top 10 episodes are more focused episodes, and I don't typically spend any time talking about what's going on with the podcast or give any peek behind the scenes or anything like that. I save those for the main episodes of the podcast where I highlight a specific video game. Today, though, we're going to get right into the thick of it. Didi, our canine expedition leader, is already making the rounds and administering the traditional sniffing of the leg. Be sure to give our boy a nice scratch behind the ears when he comes around. He's been in a pretty good mood today, especially when I told him what the topic is that we're going to be covering. And I think without too much more delay, it's about time we get into it. So today, I thought it would be fun to count down my top 10 favorite video game level 1 themes. The very first level of a video game can be the most impactful and the most special for a ton of reasons. For me, it's the level that marks the start of the journey. You're learning how the game plays, and you start to dial it in and get yourself prepared for the trials ahead. More than that, though, it's the level you're going to be playing the most, especially as you repeatedly play a specific game. Remember back in the day when you only had maybe two or three games to play if you were lucky? You played your games over and over again, and as you replayed the first level, you started to memorize it and it really started to stick with you. You memorized the layout, the enemy patterns, and beyond that, the music from those opening levels started to etch themselves into your brains and bury themselves into your souls. It's to a point now that when you hear that opening level music, you can't help but smile and let that dopamine flow a little bit. So that said, I'm going to be counting down my top 10 all-time favorites. Now before we get into it, allow me to set the stage with my usual disclaimer when it comes to these top 10 lists. This is my top 10 list, and it contains my personal thoughts, feelings, and opinions on all the games that we're going to be talking about today. I'm sure you listening have your own top 10 list, and it's more than likely going to be different than mine, which is awesome. I can't imagine there's a definitive list out there with so many possibilities and variables, which is kind of exciting when you think about it. I am genuinely curious as to what your top 10 video game level 1 themes would be, or even just a few of what would be on your list. If you think about it, you should check out the Retro Wildlands on social media and let me know. Now as far as the criteria that I use to rank my favorite level 1 themes, I went with this logic. First, I only included level 1 themes from video games that I've played and experienced firsthand. I wanted to be able to talk about how these themes really made me feel, and I didn't just want to pick the ones that sounded cool. That said, if there's a theme that you thought should have been on my list but isn't, it's possible it's missing because I just never played the game that that theme is in. And secondly, I took into account how awesome the theme is to listen to today. If I still listen to it in my old age, and it still gets me to tap my feet a little or nod my head, it bumped it up on my list. And lastly, nostalgia was taken into account when I made my list. 
If a theme brought back a specific memory or just connected to me on a personal level, that definitely put it onto the list. And as usual, I put out a call for comments to our community over on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages before recording the episode, so comments I received will be sprinkled in as we go. If that sounds fun to you and you want to get involved in future episodes, join us on our socials and keep a lookout for when I make those posts. Alright my friends, I think we've got everything pretty much set up, so it's time to get into the list. Get ready for a wild ride of nostalgic proportions, my friends. The time has come to count down my top 10 favorite video game level 1 themes. Number 10 Number 10 on my list of favorite level 1 themes is the enemy-based theme from Bionic Commando on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. I have to admit, of all the games on this list, Bionic Commando is the game I've played the least, but it's one that really stuck with me as a young kid. Video games really have the power to pull us into their worlds and plant our feet into the shoes of some pretty awesome heroes and Bionic Commando does an exceptional job of this, even if I haven't played it much. In Bionic Commando, players take control of Lad, a member of the Double Force Battalion. Your mission is to rescue a captured Federation hero known as Super Joe, and learn the secrets behind the Albatross Project. The game is a side-scrolling platformer, but from a gameplay perspective, it has one important twist. You are unable to jump in this game. In order for you to get around to other platforms and traverse the world, you have to use Lad's bionic arm to make your way around. You can shoot your bionic arm forwards, directly overhead, or upwards at a 45 degree angle. You'll mainly be using your bionic arm to traverse platforms and move about the stage that you're in, but you can also use your bionic arm to defeat enemies and even grab items. It was a pretty interesting concept back then, and it's still a pretty interesting one nowadays when I look back at some of the older retro platformers. But what really grabbed me about this game when I was younger, and why it's number 10 on my list, was how mature this game was when I was little. You see, Bionic Commando came out in 1988, so I was around 4 or 5 years old at the time. I could be misremembering some of the details, but I have some vague memories of my mom's second husband playing the game on his Nintendo every once in a while. I remember being curious about it, but he'd never let me play it. He would tell me that it was too hard to play, that I should just stick with Super Mario or Duck Hunt. But that of course made me want to play it even more. I remember popping in the cartridge whenever he or my mom weren't around so I could see if I could figure this game out. I don't think I ever spent a ton of time with it, but the game's opening and the very first level you play somehow stuck with me after all of these years. When you first started the game, you were met with an opening that set up the basis of the game. The enemy was working on executing a plan known only as Albatross. The good guys had originally sent in the best commando that they had to try and stop the bad guys from realizing their plans, but he was captured. You were a lone commando that needed to go deep within enemy territory to rescue your captured ally and figure out just what Albatross was and how to stop it. I was in awe of the visuals here, and any time you talked to an ally over the radio, I couldn't help but think I was watching a movie. I had no idea what the hell was going on, but it just seemed so cool to me. When I made my way into the first level, I found that the game was a little hard to control at first. Players had a weapon that they could use to shoot the enemy with, but mastering the bionic arm is what would determine success or failure. 
I often had a hard time figuring out how to use the bionic arm. I knew where to go, but I had a hard time getting there. And then there would be times that enemies would appear on screen and I couldn't quite position myself in the right way to shoot them. I'm sure I would have a much easier time nowadays as I am a well-traveled 38-year-old, but back then, forget about it. But that in no way stopped me from having fun with this game. The music in Bionic Commando's opening level was something that I would hear a ton of as I tried playing through the level over and over again. It had a mature quality to it that just fascinated me as a kid and made me want to push forward on my quest to save the world. It had a way of making me hold my head up high as I swung from platform to platform, looking for the best way to position myself so I could take out my enemies. Number 9 Number 9 on my list of favorite level 1 themes is the Emerald Hill Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now I could probably make an argument as to why the Green Hill Zone theme from the first Sonic game should be my pick here, but truth be told, I've never actually played the first Sonic. Now I'm sure some of you listening are probably rolling your eyes, but it is what it is. Sonic 2 was one of the few Genesis games that I had access to, and as such, I played the piss out of it. Anytime I used to visit my dad's house when I was little and got to play on the Genesis, I went right for this game. I know some of us listening can hear some video game music and be instantly transported back to your youth, and the music from the Emerald Hill Zone absolutely did and still does this for me. But beyond the music's ability to transport me back in time, I love the Emerald Hill Zone theme because it always felt like an anthem to me. When you boot the game up and you're taken to that first area, you can't help but get excited, even just a little bit. Emerald Hill is just gorgeous visually and feels very comfortable, almost like your home. The sun is shining and the water in the background is glistening, and as soon as the music swells, you can feel its call to action. Emerald Hill, like most first levels, is the perfect starting point for your journey in Sonic 2 because just about every gameplay mechanic is on offer here for you to experience. You have your springboards, your platforms, your hidden passages, and your loop-de-loops. There are so many opportunities to have Sonic get up to max speed as well. When you're playing the game for the first time, it's hard not to be in awe at the wonder and splendor of this opening level. When I was a kid, I couldn't comprehend how a game like this could move so fast and be so smooth. It was just unbelievable to me. And that feeling, while slightly dissipated after the first time you experience it, is still very much present when you play this level again and when you play this level today. And the music here is so catchy, it's hard not to hum it while you're making your way through the level. Sonic as a character is always one that I viewed as one of those free-spirited types that just comes and goes as he pleases and doesn't have a care in the world. When I wanted to escape life, even for just a little bit, or just de-stress or decompress, this game was one of my go-to, and there aren't too many games or game levels out there that make me feel as good as the Emerald Hill Zone does. So that was number 9 on the list. Before we get to number 8, let's check in with some of the listeners. Our first listener comment comes from Unbuckled Comics, who wrote in off our Retro Wildlands Facebook page and said, Mario is the most iconic, but there is nothing better than the Green Hill Zone. Sega knew how to kill the music. This is a good callout, Unbuckled, and I mentioned it earlier that I could make an argument for Green Hill Zone from the original Sonic being on this list. I just never played the game before. 
Still, I knew this tune way before I had even heard it in-game, which is saying something. It's just as good as Emerald Hill, if not better. I'd be curious what you all think about it if we put Emerald Hill and Green Hill against each other in a one-on-one -on -one poll. I'll see if I can remember to chuck that up on social media and see if we can have these two duke it out. Either way, both of these tunes are absolute bangers. Thank you for writing in Unbuckled. I hope you and Baby Unbuckled are doing well. Number 8 Another Winter, the track from the opening level of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, is my number 8 favorite level 1 theme. Now, while Scott Pilgrim probably isn't considered retro by most people, this game is very much retro-inspired. It's a side-scrolling beat-em-up with a beautiful pixel art style that is backed up by a phenomenal chiptune-centric pop-slash-rock soundtrack. For the uninitiated, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is a game based on the Scott Pilgrim comic book series. In it, Scott Pilgrim, a Canadian slacker and part-time bass player in a band, meets and falls in love with Ramona Flowers, an American delivery girl. In order to date Ramona, Scott has to defeat Ramona's seven evil exes. The comic book series chronicles Scott's journey to find true love, and the video game adaptation, I assume, is fairly faithful to the comics. In the Scott Pilgrim video game, players take control of Scott himself or friends Stephen Stills, Kim Pine, or even Ramona Flowers herself. There are seven levels, each with an X at the end that needs to be defeated. Along the way, you're going to be putting the beat down on plenty of goons trying to stand in your way. As you defeat enemies, they'll drop coins, and if you collect enough of them, you can use them to buy items to replenish your health or boost your combat stats. Your characters level up as you fight, and that makes for some great replay value. For me, though, I've always found this game to be very easy to pick up and play. The combat is easy to get used to and gets even more fun as you learn new moves. But it's the music in this game that really sets the mood, and you'll have a hard time not bobbing your head to the sweet-ass beats. The chiptune band Anamanaguchi put together a banger of a soundtrack, and, while I argue every track in this game is very good, the song in the very first level is by far my favorite. It perfectly captures the essence of your standard opening level. The music is upbeat, and it gives you a bit of a rush as you start to make your way through the opening level, but it's also a little reserved, almost encouraging you to take your time, take in the sights, and savor beating your opponents into a bloody pulp instead of rushing it. But beyond this, the track Another Winter carries a fun memory with it for me. I originally played this game on my Xbox 360 via Xbox Live Arcade. Around this time, I had made friends with another Xbox player who was an achievement hunter. I don't think I've ever really mentioned it before on the show, but I love going after achievements and trophies. There's just something about it that really grabs me. But anyway, while achievement hunting, I came across this guy, and he and I started hunting achievements together. Now, the interesting thing about this guy is that he was 100% against boosting. That's where two online players would work together to get online-specific achievements instead of earning them in the normal course of gameplay. Example, if I needed to kill an enemy player ten times, I would work with somebody that would let me kill them ten times, and I would allow them to do that to me so we would both get the achievement. That's what boosting is. But this guy that I met was not about that at all. He wanted all of his achievements that he earned to be legit. 
even if he was the only one that knew that he had earned those achievements that way. So one day we both decided to start playing Scott Pilgrim. There's an achievement in this game where you have to go through an entire stage without taking a single hit of damage. He had already earned this achievement on his own and encouraged me to go for it. Now this game isn't the most difficult, but getting to the end of a stage without taking a single hit is not an easy task. You can cheese it though by using one of the game's many cheats to unlock a sword that you can use at the start of the level called the Power of Love. It is incredibly powerful and it has some nice range to it. But this guy that I met made me swear to him that I would try to earn this achievement legitimately. I was up for the challenge and decided that the first level would theoretically be the easiest. I spent a good couple hours trying to legitimately get this achievement. And while I found myself failing constantly, the theme of that opening level is what continued to drive me. Believe it or not, after hearing that track for that long of a time, I never got tired of it. In fact, it helped me focus and drive me forward. It was the fuel that drove me forward on my quest to do what I thought was the impossible. So, did I get to the end of the first stage untouched and get that achievement? <laughs> fuck no. I spent a couple hours trying, but I never made it. Eventually, I used the cheat to get the power of Love Sword at the beginning of the stage, and I knocked the achievement out on the first try. So to bring it all around, Another Winter is a fantastic music track that never fails to fire me up any time I hear it. And any time I do hear it, I can't help but remember that time I met this random stranger who challenged me to reach for the impossible. And even though I didn't manage the task, at least I fought like hell and gave it my all. Our next listener comment comes in from Sean, who wrote in over on our Facebook page. He simply said, Mute City F0. This is another fantastic track. Admittedly though, F-Zero is another Super Nintendo game that passed me by as a kid. That was mostly due to the fact that I wasn't really into racing games in general all that much, but man do I regret not picking this game up. The entire soundtrack to F-Zero is one of my favorites, even without having played the game before. There's a few remixed versions of some F-Zero tracks in a few of the Super Smash Bros. games, which made me want to find the original versions, and the rest was history after that. I will say, if Nintendo ever gets off its ass and gives us a new F-Zero game, I will be one of the first people in line to give it a try, especially if the soundtrack is anything like the SNES version. Thank you for writing into the show, Sean. I really appreciate it. Number 7 favorite level 1 theme from a video game is from Super C. Contra is one of my favorite video games of all time. You can even hear me gush about Contra back on episode 14 of the podcast if you're bored one day. But for as much as I love Contra, I argue I love Super C as much, if not more so. I mean, right off the bat, you know Super C is going to be a great game. For starters, they added the word Super. If that's not a clear indicator as to how awesome a game is going to be, then I don't know what is. But seriously, Contra was a game that made you feel like a complete badass at times with its precision side-scrolling shooter mayhem. Once you've mastered the snare drum tight controls and allowed yourself to fall into a Contra flow state, where you're 100% dialed in and firing on all cylinders, you'll find it very hard to not have a good time with this game. And putting a cherry on top of the whole experience is the masterfully crafted soundtrack. 
It is a wondrous experience, one I think everyone should try and partake in if they can. Super C is a lot more of the same, the biggest difference being the 3D looking levels that were in the original Contra are now gone and replaced with a few top-down variants, which is not a bad thing. But where Super C takes the crown in my opinion is its opening level. When the level begins, it begins with a bang. We see a military helicopter to the top left of the screen. Dark clouds are in the distance and the sky is painted in dark oranges and reds. Lightning flashes and thunder claps engulf the sky as your character slides down a rope from the side of the chopper. Once you hit the ground, your mission is a go. Right off the bat, the enemy starts coming at you from in front and behind you. But almost at the same time, you'll see a power-up capsule start to float in from the top left-hand side of the screen. After taking out the enemies coming towards you, if you can focus fire on the capsule, you'll be rewarded with the machine gun power-up. The game knows what it's doing here. It wants the adrenaline rush that you currently have after repelling from that chopper to last as long as possible. And what better way to do that than give you more firepower? With the machine gun in hand, you easily lay waste to any enemies that try to come at you at this point, and it's right around here that I start to fall into my Contra flow state. But what always gets me going, even today, is when you get to the point in the level where the ground starts to slope upwards. As you move upwards, you get to see the blood-red sky, and it's at this point the music starts to crescendo, and you can hear more thunder as the sky lights up. Ah, it is so fucking cool, and it gets my adrenaline pumping every time I play this section. Firing off your machine gun while jumping over enemy fire is so much fun, and this opening level really makes you feel like you can take on the whole world and win. If I had to choose between Contra and Super C when it comes to my personal favorite, I still think I would gravitate more towards playing the original Contra, if for no other reason than that's the one I played the most growing up. And while both games are absolute bangers, the very first level in Super C is one of my favorites of all time, and it's all because of the music that plays while I'm laying waste to my enemies. Even now, I have a smirk on my face, and I cannot wait until I get a chance to jump down from that helicopter one more time and get back on mission. Now, speaking of platforming, shooting, action-y type games for the NES, just another video game blog chimed in over on our Facebook page about one of their favorite Level 1 themes and said, Level 1 of Blaster Master. The cinematic opening combined with that music is just killer. I am sort of pissed at myself for saying this for multiple comments in a row now, but this is yet another awesome game that I have yet to play. However, oddly enough, I am quite familiar with the opening. Not that I understand it, though. Boy has a pet frog. Frog escapes. Frog jumps on something radioactive that seems to be haphazardly discarded outside Boy's garage. Frog grows. Frog jumps down hole. Boy pursues frog down hole finds a futuristic tank, puts on futuristic full-body gear that he finds... somewhere, and we're off. Once you start the game, you get a view of the vehicle that you're going to be driving, and you can hear the level 1 music swell up before hitting its peak, at which point your tank flies forward... and the game begins. Ah, isn't that awesome sounding? And I'm sure some of you listening have a ton of nostalgia for this. I've always been intrigued by this platformer. The idea of traversing the 2D landscape in your tank, and even the idea that you can get out of the vehicle, all sound like excellent gameplay mechanics. One of these days I fully intend to play Blaster Master, and when I do, watch out for an episode. And my thanks to Just Another Video Game Blog for chiming in on their favorite Level 1 theme. I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Number 6 
Ah, yeah. My number six favorite level one theme goes to Super Mario Bros. 3. Back before this game appeared on Super Mario All-Stars for the Super Nintendo, I played Mario 3 on the original Nintendo. It's easily my favorite of the original three Mario games and always seems to capture the magic that was my youth. When it comes to opening levels in video games, to me, the very first level in Mario 3 is one that will always stick out in my mind, if for no other reason than the fact that I've played through it so much. And when it comes to opening levels, the first one in Mario 3 stands out from a gameplay standpoint because it very quickly establishes some of the game's rules and highlights some of its new features. Right off the bat, you have your standard cluster of question mark boxes, and one of them contains the standard issue mushroom power-up. Once you grab that, it's made very clear that this game is going to be pretty intense. You meet not one, but three different enemy types pretty much at the same time. A piranha plant shows its ugly mug, and as soon as you jump over it, you'll encounter a Goomba on the ground below, and a red-shelled Koopa just up ahead. If you knock the Koopa into its shell and use that shell to knock the next block that you see on the ground, it'll spit out arguably the best power-up in the entire Mario franchise, the Super Leaf. Grabbing this gem will turn Mario into Raccoon Mario and give him the ability to fly for a short time if he can get up enough speed while running. I can't remember how I reacted the first time I did this as a kid, but I'm sure I squealed in delight. In the very first level here, if you can get up enough speed right after you grab this power-up, you can fly upwards to grab the game's very first secret, a 1-up hidden in the clouds. Just make sure that you take care of the three Goombas that are coming your way before trying to take off. And if you're feeling sassy, instead of jumping on top of them, slap their punk asses across the face with Mario's raccoon tail. It's a new feature that does not get old. For me, Super Mario 3 was really the Mario game that had me wide-eyed with wonder for almost the entirety of the game. The music that plays in the opening level just has a whimsy and a lightheartedness about it, and no matter how or when I hear it, I'm instantly transported to this amazing place. While Mario 2 was its own unique experience, Mario 3 really showed me that this franchise had infinite possibilities. Those possibilities were really only limited by my own imagination. The developers gave me all the tools to have a wonderful adventure, and it was up to me to experiment and try new things. As a kid, I loved this. As an adult, I still love this. Thinking back to when I was a kid, I actually played this game more so at my aunt's house anytime I visited than I did at my own house. I stayed with my aunt for a whole summer once, and when I wasn't outside playing with the neighbor kids, I was inside playing Super Mario 3. I would even play with my cousins, and it made for some great memories trying to get through each area and make it to the castles at the end of those areas. I remember one time making it to the first castle. The king had been transformed into a dog, and the toad there needed us to find the magic wand to change him back. In the next scene, we were making our way to the top of a floating ship in the sky. Right when we made it to the top and the game gave us back control, a huge lightning strike and thunderclap happened right outside my aunt's house. My cousins and I loved thunderstorms, so we quickly paused the game and made our way into the enclosed patio to watch the storm go by. It's a dumb little memory that I have, but I remember just lying on the floor of the patio looking out at the sky with my aunt and cousins. While video games were practically my favorite thing in the world, nothing beats a good family moment like this. So when I think of Super Mario Bros. 3 and the music in the first stage, I think about all the joy and wonder that this game makes me feel even today, but it also reminds me of one of my favorite childhood memories, and you cannot put a price on something as pure as that. Now we had a bit of Super Mario love from our commenters this week. Romano, actually let's try it this way. Romano over on our Facebook page reached out and said, Yes, I like the Mario Brothers theme song. It has been almost 40 years, and I still love it. 
You cannot deny how awesome a tune this is. It's iconic, it's legendary, and it's one of the most important tunes in all video game history. I could argue that over 50% of the population probably know what this music is from just by hearing it, and they don't even need to have played the game either. So many memories can be triggered by this tune as well, so you would think that it would have made my top 10 list. And while it almost did, I think it's just that I like the tunes of some of the other games better. Simple as that. Still, there is no way that we could have done an episode like this without including this iconic theme. So I thank you, Romano, for representing, my friend. Jay from the Waffling Tailors podcast doubled up on the Mario over on our Twitter page and even mentioned a few others. He said, For pure nostalgia, it would be Super Mario Bros., the first game that I ever played. The most iconic of all gaming would be Pac-Man. For so many of us of a certain vintage, this tune is games. But it has got to go to Final Fantasy VII's opening, Bombing Mission. Those that have played Final Fantasy know this iconic opening. Cloud Strife, the hired mercenary, enters Sector 1 of Midgar with the objective of rendezvousing with members of Avalanche. Their mission? Destroy the Sector 1 Mako Reactor and try to buy the world just a little more time from the evil Shinra Electric Power Company. This section of the game is one of the best openings in all of gaming in my opinion. It's full of danger, intrigue, and a touch of humor as you make your way through Sector 1 to your objective. I absolutely adore this game, and truthfully, the bombing mission was on my very short list before I knocked it off. Really, I just like listening to the songs on this list more than the bombing mission track, but that doesn't make it any less impactful or awesome. I'm glad you brought this one up, Jay. It would have been a shame if we did not. Thank you for writing in again, my friend. I really appreciate it, and it's always a pleasure hearing from you. Number 5 Big Apple, 3AM Number 5 on my list of favorite level 1 themes is from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. Big Apple, 3AM. When you start up a game and you're getting set to take on that first stage, the music that plays needs to be the kind that gets your heart pumping, your adrenaline pumping, and maybe even your foot tapping. And that is exactly what the music right here does every single time whenever I start a playthrough of Turtles in Time. I've probably said it a few times in past episodes, but I grew up playing Turtles on the original Nintendo and watching the 1980s cartoon at my grandmother's house. I was a turtle maniac, and anything involving the Turtles was something that I wanted my hand in. I still even have a few relics of my youth. Does anyone remember the pizza thrower vehicle? It's the one where you could put your turtle action figure on and by pressing a button, the thrower would launch these round pizza discs. It was really cool. I actually put a picture of this thing up on one of our social media pages, so you should check it out if you want to get a visual of this thing. I wish I still had some of my figures though, but... Anyway, along with my love of turtles cartoons and action figures, I loved the video games. Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo is absolutely beloved by so many for a ton of different reasons. Even though I never had any siblings growing up to share this game with, it never stopped this game from becoming one of my all-time favorites. When your chosen turtle appears on screen and the music to the first stage starts, you can't help but be immediately sucked into the experience. Your foot starts to tap on the ground as the first of many foot soldiers in need of an ass-beating make their way on screen. 
however you choose to dispatch them, you're already feeling like a badass just mere moments into starting this game. And whenever you start this game with a friend, that feeling is 100% contagious. You could be playing a round of Turtles in Time with your sworn enemy, but I guarantee you that in those moments of gameplay, your differences will be set aside. Guaranteed. I love listening to the soundtrack to this game, even today. It speaks to the longevity of the music track itself, but more than that, it's a theme that really brings on the nostalgia for me, and I am sure for countless others. Just think back to some of your best gaming moments growing up. I'll bet some of them started in the Big Apple at 3 a.m. Number 4 Now we're getting into the part of the list that was extremely hard for me. While Turtles in Time holds a special place in my heart, I can't deny that the fourth theme on this list is from a game that completely reignited my love for beat-em-ups when I finally got to play it some months ago. Number four on my list of favorite video game level one themes is from Streets of Rage 2. And that track is called Go Straight, which is very apropos for a side-scrolling beat-em-up. Before I played Streets of Rage 2, I had heard the soundtrack in this game was one of the best retro soundtracks out there. Oddly enough, while I pride myself in knowing a decent amount of retro tunes, even from games that I have never played before, I could not recall a single track from any Streets of Rage game. But looking back, I think that was for the best. Because once I got my hands on Streets of Rage 2 and experienced it fresh with no preconceived notions, I wouldn't want this game any other way. I still remember the first level opening up and the music just getting right down to business. I'll probably say this again later in the episode or somewhere else, but the best soundtracks are the ones that fully immerse the player in the overall gameplay experience. The catchy tunes and awesome beats sucked me in immediately and made fighting through waves of enemies extremely fun. It almost gave working through a level sort of a rhythm game kind of vibe. Due to the vast array of moves that you could pull off with your characters, I felt myself flowing from one move to another. A striking combo here, a grapple there, or even a jump attack to round it all out. And to top it all off, Streets of Rage 2 is even more enjoyable with a friend, so just like with Turtles in Time, the whole experience is enhanced if you have a friend with you helping you clean up the city streets. Even if you find yourself taking a hit or two, it's almost impossible for your mood to dampen when playing through this game. The gameplay is very solid, and the music is masterful throughout but the music in the very first stage specifically does a fantastic job of really capturing the essence of the beginning of one's journey. When I played through this level for the very first time, I was completely locked in by the end of it. This soundtrack is another that I listen to on a regular basis today. You know your game has a great soundtrack when listening to it makes you just want to get on your feet and start punching random thugs and street goons in the mouth. Now, speaking of punching random thugs and street goons in the mouth, Chris Copeline from the Retro Hangover podcast chimed in on our Twitter page with his favorite level one theme, and he said, Batman NES, it's just a really good jam. Now, this right here is why I'll never be a successful podcast host, because it wasn't until I was completely done with everything for this episode and my list was finalized did I go back and read all the listener comments. Then I saw this comment from Chris and was like, Shit, I forgot Batman? Son of a bitch. 
This was another music track that I had heard long before playing the game, but fortunately I finally got around to actually playing Batman on the original Nintendo, and I did so for the podcast. There's an episode about my thoughts and experiences in our archives if you're interested. This opening track perfectly sets the mood for the entire game and really completes the overall atmosphere. You, as Batman, need to traverse the dark underworld of Gotham City in order to restore order to the streets. There's a grounded, sort of superhero quality to the music, and it's a great motivator. The tune was so good, I think they actually included it in two levels of the game, too. Plus, this track really lends itself to heavy metal pretty well, so that's another bonus point. Overall, though, this is one of those tunes that you'll find yourself humming for absolutely no reason. It's just another absolute banger. Thank you for writing into the show, Chris, and give my regards to Shane. I am curious what your co-host's favorite level 1 theme might be, so figure that out and report back. I am genuinely curious. Number 3 Number 3 on my list of favorite video game level 1 themes is from a game that I only played somewhat recently and had no idea I was going to like so much. It deserves all the praise it gets, and also just as much criticism for how the game handles stairs. Yes, I am talking about Castlevania for the original Nintendo Entertainment System and its first level track called Vampire Killer. Growing up, I missed out on all of the Castlevania games, and when I say all, I mean all. I would hear stories about them though, especially the retro ones. How they were essential retro gaming experiences, how fun and addicting the gameplay experiences can be, how awesome the soundtracks were, and how the difficulty could be tough, but fair. It's funny though, the overall theme of Castlevania, especially the originals, were always right up my alley. You play as a demon slayer with a righteous whip, and you're tasked with storming Dracula's castle so you can locate him, end him once and for all, and watch from a safe distance as his castle crumbles into ruin. Castlevania always sounded like a fun series to me, but it wasn't until I started this podcast that I finally made it a point to give these games a go. Now, while you could listen to my in-depth thoughts on Castlevania in an earlier podcast episode, I will say that my experience with this game was an amazing one, and it was the very first stage of this game that set the mood for the entire journey. And when I say that, I mean that in a very, very good way. After the very awesome intro where we get to see Simon Belmont stroll up to the withered and rusty castle gates, We take control of Simon and head right to the castle through what I assume is its courtyard. With Vampire Killer blasting through your speakers, Simon makes his way to the right side of the screen with visual determination and swagger. I love this opening area because while the music is getting you pumped for the start of your journey, you're finding things that you're going to need on your quest like a few whip power-ups and some hearts. And then you reach the castle itself and make your way inside, ready to take on the unknown horrors within. The music persists for the rest of the opening level and makes a perfect backdrop for all of the demon slaying that you're going to be doing. As someone who was experiencing the game for the very first time some 35 years after its initial release, I was impressed with how this opening level made me feel. Not only did I feel like a badass demon slayer almost immediately after dispatching the first few enemies that have come onto the screen, I felt this game really started to pull me in. Castlevania is a simple game, but it can be quite complex when it comes to its gameplay. 
As you platform from area to area, you need to be nimble enough to hit enemies with your whip, but also skilled enough to learn their attack patterns, and be in tune enough to know when using a sub-weapon could mean the difference between victory and defeat. Castlevania is not an easy game, but its amazing soundtrack really helps drive you as a player deeper into Dracula's castle. Dying in this game can certainly sting, especially since you'll be doing a lot of it, but I always felt an urge to get back up and keep pressing forward. It's a mentality that I'm learning to foster with almost all the new-to-me retro titles that I'm playing, and it's absolutely enhancing my experience as a fledgling retro gamer. And I owe most of this to Castlevania's awesome level 1 theme, Vampire Killer. Our last listener comment comes to us from our Instagram page. Toonie Twirls wrote in with her favorite theme and said, Outset Island from Wind Waker, since it's so nostalgic for me. I can absolutely see how a place like Outset Island would mean so much to you, and the music that plays here really helps make this area feel like it's something special. Having never played Wind Waker myself before, Outset Island gives off a vibe of safety, a vibe of wonder, and a little bit of adventure too. I'll bet there are plenty of secrets buried here on Outset as well, and one day, I hope to uncover them. Sooner or later, I'll get around to playing Wind Waker Toonie, and I'm eager to have this tune be one of the many that makes their way into my ear holes when I'm finally able to. Thank you for submitting a comment into the show, Toonie. I really do appreciate you, my friend. Number 2 I have to imagine most of you know this tune, and even if you don't, I'm sure it's on the tip of your tongue. This amazing level 1 theme is from one of the most important games in video game history, and it is one of the most fun to play even today. That is correct, my friends, I am talking about the original Doom, released back in 1993. The level 1 theme is called At Doom's Gate and is practically a masterpiece in music and a perfect opener for one of the greatest games of all time. The Doom franchise has seen multiple titles over the years, but I argue the best will forever be the original. I remember being fortunate enough to play this game on my parents' computer back in the day, and my god was it a life-changing experience. And that had nothing to do with the violent and gory gunplay. Just the idea that this is what video games were becoming broke my fragile little mind. Before you even play the game, you knew Doom was not fucking around. On the cover stood a lone human who was shooting down towards a horde of demons trying to claw their way up to the hill that our hero was standing on. In the lower left-hand corner, there was another demon who was looking back, presumably at us. It had this look on its face like, Hey, you there, holding this game in your hands. Don't even try it. This game is not your typical video game, and you don't have the balls to win against us. <laughs> I mean, that's all well and good and all, but that did not stop my stepdad from getting his hands on it, and it certainly did not stop me from playing it. When you start the first level and the level 1 music kicks in, your adrenaline gets pumping immediately. Usually the very first level of a video game is the one that eases you into the experience, and the music is typically upbeat and almost welcoming. 
When the music starts in Doom, it is not trying to welcome the player into the experience. It is trying to tell you that you need to steal your resolve and get ready for the fight of your life. Right now. Not later. Right now. As you start to move yourself around, the smooth-as-silk movements just flow with the music, too. You don't see enemies right away, but the music here does a great job of getting you pumped up. And when you do find the first of many enemy grunts looking to take you down, the music has almost conditioned you to pull the trigger on your weapon without a second thought. And when that monster goes down and you hear its death rattle, your mind immediately thinks one single word. More. I have a lot of great memories with Doom when I was little, especially working together with my stepdad to try to find all the secret passages that we could in each level. But of all the things, I will never forget that opening level music. I would argue it helped define some of my musical tastes as I grew up. And I love that there are tons of heavy metal remixes that tons of talented people have produced online. This level 1 theme isn't just a catchy, banger-head tune that complements Demon Slaying. It will always be the war cry that helped propel me towards discovering my passion for video games in general, and an anthem for all the things I've yet to discover. But even after saying all of this, there is still one more video game level 1 theme that I hold even higher than this one. And while this game may not be considered retro by whatever definition that you cling to, it is a theme that I think most of us can agree is one that could endure the test of time and lead new gamers towards the path of retro. So, without further ado... Number 1 Strike the Earth from the game Shovel Knight is my undisputed favorite level 1 theme. If you thought At Demon's Gate was a theme designed to pump you up, Strike the Earth is a musical track that could move mountains. No other level 1 theme makes me want to answer the call to adventure quite like the first level in Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is a 2D side-scrolling platformer with an 8-bit graphical style. Players take control of Shovel Knight and embark on a quest to defeat the evil Enchantress, who has risen to power and has flooded the land with evil. In order to face off against the Enchantress, Shovel Knight must raise his sword, uh, sorry, I mean raise his shovel, against the Enchantress's evil protectors, the Order of No Quarter. And while the fate of the world is at stake, Shovel Knight must also fight to free his companion Shield Knight, who has been locked away in the Tower of Fate. It is a battle that must be fought for honor, for respect, and for chivalry. Now, what is it that makes the level 1 theme in Shovel Knight such a masterpiece? I mean, besides the fact that it's just an amazing tune. It all has to do with the opening of the game. To sum it up, Shovel Knight was traveling the world with Shield Knight, having a grand old time adventuring the uncharted lands and finding treasure along the way. Until one day they came across the Tower of Fate. The pair unwittingly happened upon a cursed amulet that produced some terrible magic. After the dust settled and Shovel Knight awoke, he found that Shield Knight was gone and the Tower of Fate was sealed. It was pretty evident that Shovel Knight was pretty close to Shield Knight, and her apparent loss struck our hero to his core. In the aftermath, Shovel Knight decides to live a life of exile, his spirit broken. 
But over time, the Enchantress rose to power and something amazing happened. The Tower of Fate's seal disappeared. With evil looming over the land and a spark of hope igniting Shovel Knight's spirit, he takes up his shovel once again to free the land and to save his beloved. Now like I said, while I think the level 1 theme in this game is fantastic on its own, I think the backstory of this game really enhances this tune in a lot of ways. Now if you just go into this game without any of the setup and you just want to get right into the game, Strike the Earth is the perfect call to action music. After the opening cinematic, a lush green field opens up on screen, and the words FOR CHIVALRY appear on screen. Shovel Knight himself jumps on screen and holds his shovel high above his head as if to signal the start of this epic journey. Right then, the music kicks in and we're off. In just a few frames, you're already met with a wide open landscape, and you can see the Tower of Fate looming far off in the distance. It's time to shake off your time of solitude and get yourself back to being the hero. Right away you come across a pile of rubble that you can dig up using your shovel to unearth some awesome treasure. In that moment, your quest expands even further from that of the hero returning to form in order to save their beloved. You're working to become all of that while also looking for treasure and some loot while you're at it. The game experience can be as straightforward or as complex as you want it to be, and that's one of the many beautiful things about Shovel Knight. And while everything I mentioned is the reason this game is number one for me, it's mostly because it's a tune that I still listen to fairly frequently. Sometimes when I'm driving into work and I need to get myself psyched up, or I'm about to do some sort of strenuous activity and I need a boost, I throw on Strike the Earth. I hold my shovel high, and I embark on my hero's journey. I do it for honor, and I do it for chivalry. There you have it, my definitive, but subject to change without notice, favorite top 10 video game level 1 themes. Thank you very much for listening to the show today, I really enjoyed having you here. This was a tough but fun list to put together, and I really appreciate everyone who submitted any comments for the episode. I think there were a few themes that would have made my list had I remembered them before writing this script, or if I had actually played certain games, but you all helped fill in the gaps really well, so thank you all very much. Reading about the games and the music that you're passionate about is fun for me, so I cannot wait until we get to our next top 10 list down the road. And even if you didn't submit any comments, hopefully this episode helped you think out what your own top 10 list would be. In all seriousness, I would love to hear about it one day. Now, if you like the show and want to show it and myself some support, I would really appreciate it if you left us a good review on your podcasting platform if you're able to do so. I know you can rate the show on Spotify without leaving any comments, but you can also leave a review on iTunes and a few other places as well. If you could spare some time to help boost the show a little bit, I would deeply appreciate it. However, there is no obligation to do so. The fact that you're listening to this right now is more than I could ask for. So again, I'm really thankful that you're here above all else. You can also check us out on social media if you want to hang out there and see what's going on with the show or interact with me or the rest of our community. We have the usual spots like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, but you can check out our link tree over at linktr.ee slash retrowildlands, which is our one-stop shop full of all of our social links. I have been having an absolute blast talking to a bunch of you about games and the other things that you love, so I would love for you to join us. Or, if interacting with humans is not your thing, you can still join up with us on social and check out some of the cool stuff I post if you're just looking to add some retro spice to your timelines and feeds. So, what's coming up next? 
I keep finding myself pulled in a few directions when it comes to things that I want to cover next on the podcast. While I sort of have a schedule planned out and I'm keeping track of listener recommendations here and there, there is a lot going on in the gaming world right now that's sort of changing what it is that I want to focus on. Things like the announcement of the Super Mario RPG remake, remaster, whatever the hell they're going to call it, Metal Gear Solid 3 getting a remake, and I just got my hands on a physical copy of the Final Fantasy 1 through 6 pixel remasters. I sort of want to talk about what's mildly relevant, but also what my heart wants me to talk about. That said, I have no idea what's coming up next, and I feel like this is going to be the norm until I decide to be a professional and stick to a schedule. But where's the fun in that? Either way, I'm hoping to see you back with the expedition next time when we set out into the gaming wilderness in search of fun, adventure, Maybe a little bit of loot if we're lucky enough. Until then, my friends, my name is Nomad, and you can find me roaming the retro wildlands. (laughs) 